He separates the eye, so the flesh wheel is the upper and the lower eyelid. The blood wheel is the medial and lateral cactus, that's like the edge of your eye. And the chi wheel is the sclera, so the white bit and the conjunctiva. The wind wheel is the iris, so the coloured bit, so Asians tend to have most brown and then um, other countries tend to be coloured. Um, and the pupil, which is the black dot in the middle, or a hole, so you can see. Welcome back to Do With Us, a series of the Forever Young podcast. We release episodes in the middle of every month, and if you're new here, feel free to subscribe and follow us to keep up to date with our uploads. I'm Charlene, and I'm joined by Tim. Hi, it's like you forgot my name. What the hell? I almost, because our script says I'm Pooh and I'm joined by other Pooh. I nearly said that I'm Pooh, which is why I started through introducing us. Yes. And I'm joined by Charlene. You didn't even introduce yourself. <laughs> oh my gosh. So this is our first night recording in a while. So mm-hmm. brains are a little bit fuzzy already. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's frame it on the nighttime brain yes. fuzz. I agree. <laughs> so this month we read... Eye Diagnosis in Chinese Medicine, a Comprehensive TCM Guide for the Discerning Practitioner by De Liang Zheng. Yep, sounds yeah. good to me. <laughs> so how did you go with this book? Um, I'm not going to lie, I rushed through this book <laughs> as well in the last three to four days, but we got there. We got there in from my side. How'd you go with it? Yeah, same. I think work and life kind of got in the way a little bit this month. And we, yeah, as Thomas said, we kind of rushed through it. But I don't know. Personally, when I read it, I was kind of more in my practitioner brain than podcasting brain. So I read it not as like a book review, but as like um, a practitioner being like, oh my gosh, this is really good gems. So... I, th- I think there's something to keep in mind, maybe, like when we read it, should we, should we be reading it as like book reviewers or as practitioners or is both important? Uh, I think both is important. It's like, because now you've got that sense of you are both the book reviewer and the, you have both sides of you. So if someone's interested to learn more about like the TCM practitioner practicality of it, you can you can talk about that in that sense. Or if someone's just looking to learn more about TCM, is this something that they can read as a book? Yes, definitely true. So, why did we pick this book? And what did what That's did you a... think? Just by judging by the title, I guess, which is how we picked the book. Hmm. I mean, not to judge a book by its cover, but it looked like it looked different and interesting that it's not like it's not talking about specific conditions or a general beginning TCM sort of book. This is more sort of diving into a very specialized um, 
part of Chinese medicine. So I thought that was really interesting for me. What about you? I think for me, I thought it was more diving into um, like eye conditions. I think I misread or misinterpreted the title and I thought um, we were covering, I guess, specific eye conditions, which this book doesn't do it covers diagnosis using the eyes which ended up being super interesting but when I read the first couple of pages I got a little bit confused I was like wait what are we talking about again but once you get into it yeah I think it's super interesting and yeah it's a valid topic for sure yeah so just to clarify on what you were saying this is sort of like just in Chinese medicine how we have the the pulse and the tongue to sort of diagnose the patient for certain conditions. This is talking about a more specific sort of, you look at the eyes and if they have any sort of funny capillaries or veins coming out, then you'll be like, ah, this means this or this means that sort of, rather than looking at like ophthalmology and like specific like glaucoma or any eye, like optometrist sort of conditions and stuff. Yeah. So I guess we got an introduction to eye diagnosis or diagnosing using the eye Um, when we were in uni. I think we took like a ENT course that covered the eye in like what, four weeks or even Uh, less? Less than that. (laughs) Sounds like less than that. But So I guess um, this book was building on that like the knowledge this the basic knowledge that we learned from there would you agree yeah hundred percent like that one is just they're just covering i feel like in that sense back in university they were just covering their bases to be like oh yeah they covered that look it says it here on on our piece of paper look eye diagnosis okay moving on but yeah this one for sure goes into a lot more depth into Chinese medicine eye diagnosis. So that being said, who should read this book? Uh, I think I think definitely practitioners who are looking to expand their knowledge from my perspective. It's like, sure, you've got the tongue and pulse there, but let's say that you wanted to look a bit further into widening your sort of scope. I think this book is really good. Um, I don't think it's that good for people who aren't interested in, uh, like, less people who aren't really practitioners. I think it's less interesting for them. What do you think? Yeah, I think I agree as well. I think it's good for people who have grasped the concepts of the, um, or the basic concepts of diagnosis, you know, using inquiry and pulse and tongue. And this is kind of like an added layer to kind of help you do that syndrome differentiation into narrowing narrowing down the specifics um i think in the beginning of the book it was talking about like photographs of eyes and looking in deeper and like all that advanced imaging and stuff which turned me off a little bit if i'm going to be honest because i was like as a chinese medicine practitioner when are we going to have all that advanced kind of like cameras and photography techniques to look at the eye but then as you kind of read on and you read through the case studies it kind of feels just like an extra technique for diagnosis to add on and if you don't have those like 
specific cameras and imaging techniques, that's fine as well. Even by just looking at the eye and the capillaries in the eye and the blood vessels there, you can learn something about what's going on with the patient. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I mean, I'm going to be completely honest when reading this book. I feel like, uh, what was his name? De, De Liang Zheng was not, it's not the best book when you compare it to books like The Web That Has No Weaver or Between Heaven and Earth. But something that this book really shines in is its uses of images throughout the whole book and case studies. He goes through lots and lots of case studies throughout the whole book. And I think that's something really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely helpful with the images. Um, so, did you enjoy this book? Yes and no. I I enjoy reading well-written books, <laughs> if that makes sense. And I'm not saying that he didn't write it well. It's just that at times you could feel like this is a translated text because the the author's sort of like spirit isn't really in writing it. It's obviously been translated from Mandarin and then rewritten in English to make sense for us English speakers and readers. But I would say it's probably like not... I would consider reading it if you've got some spare change. What about you? Yeah, I agree. Some it was Sometimes it was hard to follow and the choice of words was a little bit um, confusing. But overall, if you're looking at it for like a case studies and like to build your knowledge base, um, I think it discusses some very interesting cases and um, like really good examples to help you grasp the concepts of the eye diagnosis. So yeah, a bit of bit of both bit of both yeah you were talking before how like that practitioner side of you sort of feels like oh this is really really interesting but the book reviewer side of you was yeah Yeah. so the book reviewer side of me was a little bit hesitant because it was yeah some of the wordings and the title choices and things like that just didn't make sense um but but the practitioner was like, oh my gosh, they actually discuss like herbal formulas and like herbs as well as kind of in the diagnosis rather than just talking about the diagnosis and this is how you should treat it. But he used examples of what he actually did to treat the patient. So yeah, practitioner side of me was like, woo! Woohoo! Yeah, you get all this like <laughs> hidden gems from all his knowledge of like how to diagnose the eye and how he sees the eye. Hmm. Do you think it's worth... I think it's $28 on the Kindle on Amazon. Do you think it's worth the money? Mm, I think so. Actually, I would consider getting the hard copy for the photos and the reference. Um, uh, yeah. But I don't that, know. That'll be $300 then. <laughs> just, <laughs> just to let you know, the $300 is the hardback Really? One. Damn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know, actually. I I feel like eye diagnosis would add a different like layer or to my practice, but I feel like I'm at that stage where I'm still trying to do the basics and everything well as like a fresh graduate, and I don't want to confuse myself. So I'm really 
It's a really interesting read, but I feel like it'll be a little bit of time before I actually add eye diagnosis into my repertoire. And mm-hmm. to, yeah, mm-hmm. to use it consistently. So yeah. You spend more time like mastering the basics and then moving on to this more like advanced sort of techniques. Yeah, I feel the same way. Is there anything else you'd like to add in this f- first segment free spoiler if there is any spoilers in this book? Um I think I think we mentioned this previously when we said it was um for practitioners mostly, but when um they or when he writes the book, he doesn't really explain some of the terms that he uses. So it is kind of a little bit more difficult if you're a beginner or not a practitioner. Um, it may be difficult to grasp what he's talking about. They are kind of very specific conditions and syndromes that he's talking about. So this is not just like a general book or novel like how you would read The Web That Has No Weaver or um, Between Heaven and Earth. Like it's not written in just like conversational English, if that yes. makes sense. It's not written like a book. It's <laughs> yeah. more like a case review yeah. literature sort of style. Mm-hmm. Which I completely agree. Yeah. So yeah, that's all I have to add before our spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> so that was the first segment of this episode where we sort of run through what to expect from the book. If you're interested in getting the book and you don't want any spoilers, if there are any, um, this is a good time to hit pause and give it a read before the next segment. Alright, see you in the next one. Welcome back to the second segment of this episode. So this is the full spoiler zone, if you guys haven't heard the first segment. Um, let's take a deep dive now into this book. What, what is the biggest takeaway for you, Charlene, from this book that you found? I think the main takeaway or the main topic the book focuses on is the woolen bar core theory so the five wheels and eight castle theory for eye diagnosis yes yeah do you want (laughs) to explain a bit about that yeah i think before we sort of go into all that juicy stuff i it's important that to note that they've also touched on like what this book's about in the introduction that the western med equivalent i think that one was called uh iridology and they have their own one but everyone sort of just threw that to the side and ignored it like they still use it but it's not that important in terms of what this book is about i think they mentioned that iridology is like the using the reflective features of the iris um and how they appear abnormal when you have a health condition but they kind of do this through like microscopes and like looking quite deeply into it or like quite, yeah, um, quite, what do you call it, magnified. And I think, um, as we were saying previously, it's hard for us to kind of like have microscopes to look at the eye or to like look at those pictures in depth like that. So I think um, this five-wheel, eight-castle theory is kind of – the Chinese medicine equivalent. 
Yeah, and how it's more than just looking at specific, like, Western med diagnosis conditions. Cool. Um, now that's been said, let's focus on this five-wheel, eight-castle theory or the woolen parkour that you're talking about. So, I don't know who thought of this. Maybe it's Zhang Zhongzhong. Maybe it's the Yellow Emperor. One of them, they decided to separate the eye into the, the tongue organs into five sections. So they have the blood, the chi, the wind, the water, and the flesh wheel. That's the five wheels. And the eight castles focus more on the four organs, but that's more of like the characteristics of the the sections within each wheel there's like a specific diagnosis that they sort of use and that's sort of where you look at the bark wall for that and i think in the book um it mentions that when there is a disease occurring in a tongue organ then there are always changes in the lun which is the wheel and when there is a disease in the wheel there must be signs in the core which is the castle and that's how they kind of trace the diseases by kind of matching the levels and the signs and symptoms to the tongue organs and um, what they kind of see in the eye as well. Mm -hmm. And on that note as well, he talks about how to not use this specific form of diagnosis by itself. He's like, make sure you do ask, like, you're still doing, like, inquiry, you're still doing, like, tongue and pulse. Like, this is just to help you form your diagnosis and therefore treatment afterwards yeah that's a good point to mention so what is this this theory like what are we looking at what are we looking at here well good question so he separates the eye so the flesh wheel is the upper and the lower eyelid the blood wheel is the medial and lateral cactus that's like the edge of your eye uh, the chi wheel is the sclera, so the white bit, and the conjunctiva. The wind wheel is the iris, so the coloured bit. So Asians tend to have most brown, and then um, other countries tend to be coloured. Um, and the pupil, which is the black dot in the middle, or a hole, so you can see. Cool. So what? Is, so what is the pupil? Ah, um, uh, the water wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And so each of these specific wheels are separated into their individual tongue organ. So um, the the flesh wheel is also known for like the earth element, which is the spleen. It's like they say it's the earth element because body nu- need uh, your body needs nutrients for like flesh. So that's why the flesh wheel is the eyelid, which is just the fleshy bit is the spleen. The blood wheel, which is the medial and lateral canthus, is like it's where all the veins generally, other capillaries, sorry, normally like originate. So that's overall controlled by the blood circulation. So the heart is the main organ for that one. The the chi wheel is like oh, I don't I don't really understand why he said he said the lung governs the chi in the body, and that's why the lung is the sclera and the conjunctiva and I was like yeah sure alright if you say it (laughs) oh sorry sorry I cut out did you say anything 
Yes, you cut out, so I didn't say anything. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I'm just going to move on then. So the the wind wheel, which is the iris bit, it's it talks about how the liver and the wood can generate wind. And so when you're looking at specific wind conditions, you can look into the iris. And the pupil is just the, the kidney. Just, just cause. Yeah, anything else you want to very, add? very interesting. So how does, how does that apply when we're doing diagnosis then? Like how do we use that in our diagnosis? What are we looking for in those specific parts or with those specific parts of the eyes? Yes, that is an extremely good question. So when he looks at each sort of wheel or each section, he looks at four sort of main things, which is uh, if there's any capillaries, we can go more into that. Like is it the shape, the thick and thinness, the spots, the freckles, like anything related to capillaries is sort of covered in them. The color of it. So like if there's like a bright red, if the capillaries are like bright crimson red or if they're a deep purple color or if there's spotting or if there's like a shadow involved, that's sort of what you look like in color. And the third one is sort of like the form and the shape of it. So if this is like you see clouds or like sticky lumps or like um, there's any sort of like phlegmy bits. I don't know how like muc- like more wet bits of the eye. I don't know how, how he described it or any black rings or anything like that. That's already in the form and the shape. Yeah. So when he starts off talking about um, these certain parts of the eyes, he mentions the normal, the normal look or what the eye should normally look like when the patient isn't um, experiencing illness. So, for example, um, do I have an example? Yes, you do. <laughs> Somewhere, maybe. <laughs> But basically, he mentions um, what it would look at like normally, like for the um, for the corner of the eye, the canthus, the medial canthus. Um, normally, it's apparently pink and clean. But then, if it's um, showing like pathological disease, then it may be tinged, or there's like bright red capillaries, um, or there might be dark red spots, or um, the sclera is cloudy, something like that. So he mentions the normal, what the eye normally looks like, and then what you'll see with certain syndromes, how this changes. So if we take the medial canthus, for example, um, so this is part of the blood wheel, and often the diseases that affect it are systemic, that affect the heart, but as we know, the heart is super important for the blood circulation, so it'll often affect other um, organs as well. So for example, if the if the body is experiencing excess heat, then the medial canthus, the capillaries will be tinged and there'll be a brighter red, um, and that normally shows kind of blood heat. Whereas if it's, if it's more of a deficient heat, then there's m- more bright red rather than... 
bright red or dark red spots amid light red or pale. So there's a pale component to it if um, there's deficiency. And then for chi deficiency, it's just got like a pale pink or light colored. So by looking at the specific colors in that area, they can kind of determine what type of syndrome is happening in the heart. So it's super specific. Yes, I, f I feel like a lot of his diagnosis for the eye is based on a lot of things that we've, we generally understand about the Chinese medicine already. So it's like, if it's obviously more severe, the person's condition is more severe, you will tend to see more like angry looking capillaries and like they'll be thicker and they'll be more darker red if it's more chronic. Whereas if it's more acute, you just sort of got it. It's going to come around. Obviously the capillaries are more straight, less curvy. They're a lot thinner. They're a lot brighter as well. That's sort of like very similar to what we know about Chinese medicine previously. Yeah. So in that sense, it's kind of, easier to understand the diagnosis that he's talking about and how he differentiates between each kind of symptom and into their syndromes. There's this one section that I really liked where how he segmented the eye. I thought this was probably the most interesting thing for me, how he put the eye in to, I think it was like, Th uh, four different fields the field A, field B, field C field IA and he sectioned them off to be like if it comes from this specific part of this field then you're looking at these sort of conditions did you notice that as well? yeah I, that was for the sclera sclera when you're the sclera right yeah so um, he said when you're looking at the sclera in his divisions, they respond to different um, anatomical, I guess, or like different um, areas that we use for our diagnosis. For example, um, maybe we'll link a photo somewhere, but um, the B section is the area that is directly under the pupil and it's normally covered by our eyelids so we need to pull it down to expose it and observe it um, but that one is kind of related to the stomach and the epigastric area but for example the C division which there's a few of is more related to like the small intestines and the rectum and the bladder so lower down in the digestive system so, yeah, super interesting that there's specific parts that you can look at to kind of support your overall diagnosis or to even help you narrow it down if you are a little bit unsure. Mm -hmm. I think something I'm probably going to try out to see because I have so many stomach issues is looking at area B. So like you are saying, underneath the like iris and the pupil in that white sclera zone is area B. And so you tend to see capillaries in like a Y sort of shape. So it's really, really easy to see. And that, that could indicate anything from like um, deficiency or excess, depending on what you sort of see in the capillaries. But it generally means, oh, you should probably check out your middle jowl because there's going to be something wrong there for, like now or very soon. 
Yeah, that's a good point. We're just mm. at the end of this, we're just like pulling down Having our a eyelids. Look. Yeah. Just like, what do I see in my eye? Yeah. Actually, one other section in that that was super interesting was um, Integrated Area 3. So he was saying how... <laughs> he was saying how you can use this area to see if there's specific conditions like migraine or headaches um, and how how that kind of how to narrow it down in the patient I guess which was super interesting when you think about it because headaches obviously in your head and (laughs) and it makes sense that it would show up in your eyes because it's like so closely related Related. but it's not some yeah there's not something that I ever thought about doing because we do our normal like where is it located what type of headache is it um and then from there you kind of deduce what meridian or what your treatment is but um he was saying that there's different patterns in the eye when you get certain types of headaches so for example um the blood vessels above your medial campus can form a bright red web or there could be capillaries ascending upwards and like linking. So it's like, but it's from a different area, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's and it then predominantly is in this specific area when they have something wrong with that condition. Yeah, and which kind of fits in with your locations of your organs and your eyes um, based on that kind of segmentation that we were talking about. And then another thing he was talking about is um, your mental state and like dreams like added into this eye diagnosis as well, which was kind of confusing for me, but he was basically using the eyes and like the mental state, like inquiring about the mental state for the person and kind of bringing that together. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's it's. I like what you're saying. Could you give me like an example of how he would use that to be like, ah, I see there's dark red capillaries in this specific area. Do you have, you must have bad nightmares or something. Like, is, is that sort of what you mean? Or Yeah, kind of. Um, kind of like that. Like you have nightmares and you've got capillaries um, as well. So the other thing he was talking about is the lateral corners of the eyes um, is kind of the state of the heart and the mind Um, so when you kind of get um, abnormal pathology yeah in the eye so normally the lateral corners of your eyes they're like white and unmarked um, and there might be some slight blood vessels in the corners Um, but once you kind of once it starts looking abnormal, which is kind of light red, long, thin veins, then he was saying that this is an early stage of chi loss, so it can lead to things like stress and insomnia and dreams, but the patient hasn't yet felt any kind of heart symptoms, so no like heart palpitations or anything like that. But then as these veins kind of, I mean, sorry, capillaries grow and they move towards the iris, then it becomes a chi deficiency. So there's more pronounced sleeping problems, there's shortness of breath and like sleep apnea. But then once they get quite dark and red and become kind of more stagnation looking, then it's kind of more serious 
and you will get those heart symptoms as well. So I think it's interesting to look at the progression from, I guess, not so severe and the start with the light colors and then it progresses. Um, so that was one that was super interesting. So that was the lateral corners of the eyes. Interesting. I, I think that's really cool as well. Like seeing, like, vis- like visually being able to recognize parts on the eye and how it's developing you can be like ah if you keep going with how you're going with this you're probably if you even if you're not experiencing nightmares now you're probably going to see them quite soon if your condition worsens that's really cool what what did you find interesting i (laughs) there's there's these parts that i'm actually quite it sounded super super like this doctor sounds like he's reached that level where he's like beyond the average practitioner where he can look into your eye and he can be like, oh, so you've had surgery before and you're like, what? Or like, ah, I see your... Yeah, he sees your soul. soul. Exactly right. It's just like, ah, you're an introvert with headaches. It's like, what? Are you serious? Like, it, it gets to that point where it becomes hard to believe until you've seen it. Do you know what I mean? In terms of, he says it, he explains cases that he's seen and how he's used the eye to diagnose them as well. And it's like... It's how it's like that. Do you remember when we were reading about the different levels of practitioner yes. and you've reached like God level practitioner? Yeah, I was going to Or like say whatever, the, whatever the term was for that. It's mm-hmm. kind of like that where you're just using all of your senses and like get all of this to diagnose the patient even before you actually hear them say anything yes exactly right like he had this one case in the book where the um, someone just came out of remission for hospital for some specific condition and he's like you're gonna go back into hospital if you don't let me treat you and so he let him treat him and then after like three months his the, the capillary in his eye started to fade and I'm like, what? You saw all that in an eye? Come on. <laughs> Come on. As if. But, but there's, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he yeah. did. He probably did. He considering probably. he wrote the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he probably did. He probably helped this guy. Like, that, that's the thing. It's so hard to say until you've hit that level to know how good you are, if that makes sense. It's like. Once you start saving people's lives to be like, ah, I saw it in your eye, they're going to be like, man, shut up. <laughs> but yes, yes. I, I think he, do you believe this, that he's reached that God level in terms of when you read his book? Or do you think he's not lied, but like he's changed some of the cases to meet his criteria of when teaching this book? I mean that no offense to the author, by the way. I just asking from genuine genuine curiosity. I did not even think about that until now, but I mean, if he's a practitioner in China, surely he has seen that many cases that he can just pull ones that are relevant and not have to be like, I need to change this to fit with what I want to say. Surely it's. Um, the experience of doing all this that has inspired him to write this book and share this knowledge, being like, 
this is an example of how I've used it. Or maybe that's just me being very No, no, no. Naive. I completely agree. Like, I think that's a good point as well. Like, this guy probably has seen so many deviations of the normal case and he's seen so many normal cases that he can write this book without having to like make one up mm. if that makes sense mm. just like a uh, classic y condition under the eye stomach problems that being said the cover of the book is slightly creepy uh <laughs> which part the <laughs> eyeball a, looking at you the, the like how he's little and then there's just like a big eye behind it like yes. i don't know it's just a little bit very 1984 <laughs> style yeah. where it's like we're watching you yeah but I mean, it's it's a very helpful book, so don't let the cover put you off <laughs> if you are interested. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. Yeah. If you are interested in eye diagnosis, then yeah, give it a go. Give it a go. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely for those who are interested or curious about different parts, because this specific eye diagnosis, even in the Shanghai Lun, is like he talks about it, but. Even back then, it was so specialized and specific that it's not very used very commonly. So if you are able to utilize this to your advantage, then I think it's a great asset to have. Mm. Yeah, for sure. So will you use this in your everyday treatment? Um, I'll probably... I might try it with patients that I'm more familiar with to be like, could I just have a quick look in your eye and then just to confirm my like diagnosis already? But I think I'm not at that level to be like tongue pulse eyes. Sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it would have to true. be tongue pulse inquiry. Think about it then like treatment. Do you know, do you know what would be interesting though is after you do your diagnosis or even when a patient comes in and they've said, I've got this chronic long-term condition for you to look and note in their eyes, I guess, based maybe the second treatment after you've kind of done all that. And then to monitor that, to use that as kind of a checkpoint to know how you're going or to see how you're going like three months down the line, is that capillary or is that um, pigmentation still there? Or is it kind of decreasing? I think it'd be interesting to use it that way. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like, I think this is a great way to build your knowledge into using the eye where it's like, you already, like, it's not that hard to ask a patient. They've already, like, you've already seen their tongue. I feel like looking into their eyes is not <laughs> bad in comparison in terms of embarrassment levels. But um, well, I You've think... already asked about their poo as well. So. Exactly. So <laughs> you've already deep dived straight into their life. So I feel like asking for the, looking into their eyes, not that bad. But yeah, I think that's a great way to start your path as a practitioner who looks into people's eyes. Like you could be known as the, the, the practitioner who looks into people's eyes and treats <laughs> the magical eyes. That'd be cool. That would be really cool. That's true. That that can be that can be your um your gimmick. selling point. Not gimmick. Come, come, um, specialist. come see Doctor Koo. I will look into your eyes. <laughs> Gaze into your Gaze eyes. Gaze into your eyes. Right next to my magical crystal ball. Don't look at that. That's not for Sundays. But let me look straight into your eye. I could tell you that. Oh my. That that's amazing. I feel like pulse and tongue by itself is already so amazing in terms of telling the body that if you have mm. one more eye diagnosis, like one more eye diagnosis, 
you'll what else? have two. Two yeah, I yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's a good question that I can ask you. Is like, do you think that each eye is different or both eyes should be the same bilaterally? I think they would be different, right? I've got one eye is bigger than the other eye, so I'm going to go with different. <laughs> no, I, I feel like it's more of a like yin-yang thing. I don't think it was talked about in the book, but, I mean, your eye, there's two of them for a reason. They're parts of a whole, so you would use them, I guess, together. Um, but that's a good point to bring up, because I don't remember reading anything about how left each and eye right. is different yeah yeah neither neither did i like i was gonna just about to ask you the same what you already answered where it's like how pulse has like yin and yang blood and chi is that the same so left eye is more considered the yin aspect of the organs or the right side more the yang aspect or is it dominant in males and females so you should you look more into like the right eyes for like males or like the left eyes for females like that sort of thing or I think that's a good point to bring up that like the right is more dominant in males and left in females. So I think that would uh, maybe the yin organs would show up more um, in one eye than the other, do you reckon? And the yang in like one more than the other. Um, and no, I, I don't think so. I, I think that you can use both eyes to help form your diagnosis, but I think they're connected rather than separated with yin and yang. I think they're both encompass yin and yang together. They might help with, I guess, um, acupuncture, doing like opposite sides or... Mm. Smacked the mic. Sorry. Oh, I didn't hear it. That's okay. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Um, yeah, they might help with acupuncture and doing when you do like opposite sides or things like that. Um, and to... Yeah, maybe around the eye as well. I'm sure there's something to it. Maybe. Not like not like there's much information out there to talk about it anyways, but uh, I, I think there's something else that I wanted to talk about, which is... Nope, that's all I've got to talk about, to be honest. <laughs> fine did you want to talk about the limbus the limbus we can we can talk about the limbus um what is the limbus what is this limbus it's the edge of the iris so it's i guess the ring around the iris which is normally one millimeter wide at its maximum and it's often referred to as uh, well it can be referred to as the cholesterol ring when it's like white and thick yeah so what 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 is normal just that what you just described one millimeter is it dark in color or light in color what do you normally expect that's a good question <laughs> thank you I, I think that's pretty much it there shouldn't be too much of a shadow underneath it it should just be nice sort of differentiated limbus where though there's a white there's your sclera and then there's your limbus from the edge. But if you start to see conditions where um, there's a shadow, especially at the six o'clock region, where that's sort of like from four o'clock till seven o'clock, 
in terms of if you're looking at the eye from face face value then um, if you start to see that shadow then you can start uh, indicating liver person's got like a stressed life you can start seeing a darker sort of undertone in that region yeah and then the limbus can even have like um, irregular pigmentation as well so it can be like scattered brown pigment around the bottom half and then sometimes it's um, interlaced with blood vessels as well so yeah it can look different which means there's different um, things going on with the liver so it's associated with the liver There's the, I was going to ask you, so generally capillaries changing is quite common, right? It, it happens more often than not. How about like the pigmentation? How long, do you think that's more of a chronic related sort of very difficult to sort of change when it comes to discoloration of the, the sclera or the iris? Or do you think that's easier to treat from your deduction from the book? I think it's a little bit more more long term than just like the capillaries right well it's more to do with like the blood and the chi kind of um stagnating rather than just maybe an excess of like heat or an excess of cold or something like that so it's kind of gone a little bit further than just in that superficial level so i think it is more about kind of going deeper into the organs rather than just a superficial heat clearing or um, warming kind of formula. Mm -hmm. I think I agree with you on that point as well. It's like, I mean, if you think about it, even like eye drops can help with capillaries if you have some, if you have really red eyes, it's like dehydration. Do you think that's an important factor to take into account? Or do you think it's because they're dehydrated that there's overheating in their body and that's why they're drying out fluids of the eye like how how important do you think external factors are for influencing your eye diagnosis is i think if if your body is strong and you get those external factors you can still kind of um fight off those um, external factors and not have those capillaries show up or whatever but if your body is weaker then when you do kind of meet those external factors and they're more likely to show up which doesn't answer your question at all <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna go with each person is different mm-hmm. and so they're likely to be affected by the external factors in different ways so you can't really say that they're not important or yeah. that they're like or they're all that's you know all that we Ignore care about that. yeah yeah yeah. So I think it really depends on the person and that's where all of your inquiry or your diagnosis techniques come in to see what is actually affecting and um, the body and whether these capillaries are an external factor or there's something internal that is affected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think that about wraps it up. That was so good. Uh, we hope this offers some sort of insight into the foundation of looking at the eye and diagnosis for the eye. Um, thanks for listening to Do With Us. 
with Charlene and I. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook. Join our Facebook group for the book discussion. And and we've been the Forever Young Podcast and we'll read with you next time. Bye. Bye.